Welcome to the Compliance Perspectives Podcast. I'm Adam Turtletow from the Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics and Healthcare Compliance Association. Joining us today from Chicago is Ellen Hunt of Spark Compliance Consulting. And joining us from Philadelphia is Melanie Sponholtz, who's Chief Compliance Officer at Wide Capital Partners. The two of them will be doing a session, The Boiling Frog, How to Prevent Compliance Officer Burnout at the 2022 HCCA Compliance Institute, which will be taking place in Phoenix from March 28th through 31st. First, Ellen, Melanie, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today and for agreeing to speak at the conference. Well, thanks for having us. Good morning. Thrilled to do it. Thank you. Oh, you're more than welcome and, and really looking forward to this conversation, I think much more than the frog is. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about burnout. Um, uh, Melanie, what are some of the early signs that you're heading for burnout? Well, I mean, I think, you know, it's getting harder and harder to spot during the pandemic because I think folks are just burned out on a lot of fronts. Um, but some of the signs I would say are common to look for if we're talking about career, job burnout, are um, just that fatigue where you don't feel like getting up and starting work in the morning, or you, you get to your desk and you're really struggling with the motivation to get started with what's on your list for the day. Um, if you start to feel kind of jaded or cynical about work or just generally irritable so that Everyone you're interacting with is just getting on your nerves, which is not typical. That's another key sign. Um, trying to think, lack of concentration. So you find yourself jumping around or procrastinating or unable to stay on task more, more so than, than you would expect. Um, just generally not, not feeling like yourself, not feeling connected to your work and, and interested in your work. I think, um, feeling maybe you've lost your sense of purpose um, or even that you're just not feeling a sense of accomplishment. So as you're checking things off your list, it's not giving you that usual sense of satisfaction. I think those are all some of the key signs that you may be hitting burnout. And I think what's interesting is, as you pointed out at the start, um, a lot of it overlaps with the general feelings we're having about the pandemic. Ellen, how do you differentiate between going through a rough patch and, and really being truly burnt out? Yeah, you know, it's all those things that Mel mentioned, but I think it really goes deeper. Um, burnout is something that's much more permanent. Um, and it's it's that lack of accomplishment and lack of motivation. Um, but it's also really um, just no hope and really looking forward to nothing. Um, so it goes really a lot deeper. And, you know, we all have those days. And to your point about, you know, the pandemic, I was thinking the other day about Whole30, you know, if only we could eliminate some of these things that we think might be the cause, we might be able to modify our behavior, but you can't make the pandemic go away. It's been a constant and I think it's worn us all down. But I, I think the real key is that when those bad days turn into weeks and those weeks turn into months, that's burnout rather than a rough patch. So what are some of the day-to-day things that you can do to prevent burnout? Yeah, I don't want to come across as flippant or or too, you know, woo-woo, um, 
in my answer. And, you know, for instance, I, I'm a big Peloton fan and I don't, I don't like the instructors who are too woo woo about the whole thing, who are constantly preaching about, you know, this is your 45 minutes. And um, I, I want someone who's going to really coach me and, and tell me how to improve. If I said there was one answer for everyone, that would, that would ring false. So I think in general, um, and let's go back to the pandemic for a minute. Um, I think part of the problem is that, especially for folks who are working from home, working remotely, we've lost the differentiation between work and not work um, because it's all in the same place. So try to think about focusing on doing things completely separately from work that make you happy, um, which could be very different for different people. But some of the top recommendations, because they have lots of far reaching benefits are move, you know, find some kind of movement that works for you, whether it's exercise or hiking or walking or dancing or, you know, do, do that on a regular basis. Um, think about the things that you used to do at home when you left work that made you, that filled your cup. So is it cooking a meal? Is it uh, reading a good book? Um, going, you know, it's been a long time since going out with friends was normal, but, you know, can you spend time with non-work folks that fill your cup that make you happy and motivated? Um, I think those are all, all good things to think about. Uh, meditating, yoga, things that have that mind-body connection can be super helpful. If you put some energy into these other activities and things that make you happy in life, you will start to feel happier if you stick with it. Um, and then when I think about myself, the other thing though that I think you have to be careful about is you know, I'm kind of you know wired as a type A person and I'll start to find that I'm being type A about the things that are supposed to be relaxing me. So <laughs> you have to have to get your workout in or you know, you, you, it's 11 o'clock and you're ready for bed, but you didn't meditate yet today and you're supposed to be meditating every day. And uh, so, so be careful not to make it just another item on your to-do list. These are supposed to be things that are a little more spontaneous and, and fun and, and divert you from what's burning you out, if that makes sense. No, it totally does. And, you know, I can say uh, uh, you're a Peloton bike rider. I'm a bike bike rider. And I know that for me, that really does delineate the end of the day, trying to get in that hour's worth of ride at the end of the day, even in the middle of winter. Okay. Now, Ellen, what about from a long-term strategic perspective? Are there things you can do to prevent yourself from pushing yourself to the edge? Yeah, Adam, I, I, I think there are three things um, that I think you can do. Um, and one um, thing that I read a while ago in Forbes, and this was a really short little column, and it was, you know, what's the best advice you ever got? And um, the former CEO of Pepsi said that her father had told her, always assume positive intent. And I've really taken that to heart. You know, usually people are not out there to get you or trying to insult you or be mean to you or make life harder for you. Um, they just want to get their job done too. So always assume that they're coming from a place 
of uh, positivity and that they're, you know, they're just, they're trying to reach their goals. They're trying to get the job done just like you are. Um, and that I think really helps and, and try to really think about, well, what is it they really want and what are they really, really asking? The second thing is just practice that pause. Take a minute, take a deep breath and say, hmm, are they really insulting me, trying to be rude? Do they not understand? Whatever it is that kind of triggers you. And after you just take a minute and think, hmm, okay, what is it? If it really is something that bothers you, very politely, ask why. Sometimes these tensions and conflicts are just from a lack of understanding and communication. And when we don't know things, we fill in the blank and almost always negatively. So just say, why do you need it done by tomorrow? Or can you help me understand why it needs to be done this way? It might really help you understand what's going on and those things that are irritants might just go away because there's actually something there you didn't understand or didn't know about. And then the last thing that I would say is, ask yourself, do you really care? I mean, on some of these things, it's not going to matter next week or next month or next year. And sometimes when we're aggravated and we're tired and we're burned out, we pick those battles that just don't make a lot of sense because we're on edge anyway. So ask yourself, does it matter that much? Uh, and if it does, then stand up for your principles. But if it doesn't, let it flow by. Well, I think what's interesting in what you just said, and going back to some of the things Mel had said earlier, is that um, a lot of this involves stopping, taking a step back, and, and trying to give yourself some perspective and not be so close to everything. And uh, suddenly it seems a lot more approachable. Finally, last question really, I guess, for both of you is you're big advocates for having a network to help. How exactly does a network help, and how can someone build one most effectively? Well, it's, this is a, a great situation for me to answer this question because Ellen is a perfect example for me of why a network is so helpful. Um, because I, I think a big thing you can do that your network helps you with is get outside your core group of colleagues that you work with and find people in your field that inspire you. Um, that you can recharge your batteries with. And, you know, I spent, you know, the better part of a, a year um, reading a bunch of Ellen's posts on LinkedIn and hearing some of her podcasts and thinking, wow, she really gets me jazzed about compliance and what a great perspective she has. And, you know, I reached out to her and, and tried to network with her and it turned out to be just this fantastic connection for me because you know, sometimes you need to get out of the weeds of your own compliance life. And then just more generally speaking, it's great to talk to other people who let you know you're not alone in the universe. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I do is when, when people reach out to me, I always, I, I accept because you never know who you're going to meet and what interesting things they're going to tell you and how that can expand um, your thinking and your knowledge. And that curiosity is important. But one of the things I, I think we have to think about in the environment we, we live in now um, is we've got to be a lot more intentional about 
um, our relationships because you're not going to see somebody on the bus or run into them in the hallway or maybe be able to say, hey, let's let's grab lunch. Um, so you've got to think about, you know, uh, scheduling that 30 minute virtual coffee or um, making sure that you send a note and see how people are doing and and keep, you know, those relationships going. Um, you know, don't be shy to reach out to somebody that uh, on LinkedIn or otherwise that you admire or that you would like to get to know because people love to talk about themselves. Um, it's therapeutic uh, and they love to share their knowledge and um, you'd be surprised uh, how many, how open people are to that. And, you know, think about setting a goal, but as, as Mel said, don't be a type about it. If it doesn't happen, it's not a big deal, but, you know, think about, a number of people you'd like to meet and you know send an invite once a week or whatever whatever works uh, about this it works for you networking is 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 there's a lot more to it you know sometimes people just think about well you know how many contacts can i collect and how many people can i get to know uh, and if you are approaching it in in the vein of you know what is it in, in it for me you won't get as much out of it, honestly. Um, but I just want to say that you need to think about different kinds of relationships. It's not just getting to know somebody, but you need to think about maybe a board of advisors or people who have knowledge, um, expertise, connections that are different than yours uh, and that they can really then be a sponsor for you and an advisor for you. Mel talked about people who, you know, they, they've gone through the same, same thing and they can give you some perspective, but you also need some of those people who are gonna tell it to you straight, you know, and say, hey, you know what, you're overreacting or you're taking this too personally or whatever it may be. Um, but you, you also need to think about people who are sponsors and those are the people that uh, are gonna mention your name when opportunities come up and they're going to introduce you to new people and they're going to be the people that challenge you to the, be the best that you can be. And that, that truly is a network. I, that is so true, Ellen. I mean, I think you've taught me a lot about that and are certainly such a good example of that yourself. And it, it's been so important, you know, and I think it does help prevent burnout because along that path, you'll find that you can be the sponsor for someone else. And sometimes it gives you that perspective shift. So when you're feeling very stuck and jaded or cynical about where you are, someone outside can really find what you have to offer so valuable. And it reminds you of why you like your field and your job. And it, it can get you out of that rut. Well, and to the point of networking, I got to say, when I was at the SCCE Annual Compliance and Ethics Institute back in September, it was really interesting to see how much the people who were there were just happy to be around other people and being able to connect again. It really speaks volumes about our needs as humans for that connection. Well, Melanie, Ellen, thank you so much for sharing these insights with us today. And I look forward to hearing more in March at the 2022 HCCA Compliance Institute. I wanna thank all of you for taking the time to listen. I'm Adam Trolltaub from SCCE and HCCA. I hope we're able to expand your compliance perspective.